You are listening to the LTN Book Club, a bi-weekly read-along podcast positioned at the intersection of nerd and literary culture. Our show is hosted by Madeline Turnipseed and is a proud member of the LTN Podcast Network. For more information on the show, the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club. Welcome, friends, uh, to the next episode of the LTN Book Club podcast. Uh, tonight, we are talking about All Systems Red by Martha Wells. Uh, this book does come with a uh, content warning from us for language violence and mental health issues, uh, some of which we will be discussing in tonight's episode or today's episode, whatever time you're listening Uh, The back of the book summary for All Systems Red, in a corporate-dominated, space-bearing future, planetary missions must be approved and supplied by the company, hear that capital C. Exploratory teams are accompanied by company-supplied security androids for their own safety. But in a society where contracts are awarded to the lowest bidder, safety isn't a primary concern. On a distant planet, a team of scientists are conducting surface tests, shadowed by their company-supplied droid, a self-aware SEC unit that has hacked its own governor module and refers to itself, though never out loud, as Murderbot. Scornful of humans, all it really wants is to be left alone long enough to figure out who it is. But when a neighboring mission goes dark, it's up to the scientists and their Murderbot to get to the truth. This was published in 2017 by Tor.com Publishing. It has won several awards, uh, the 2018 Hugo Award for Best Novella, uh, the 2018 Nebula Award for Best Novella, the 2018 Alex Award, the 2018 Locus Award, one of Verge's Best Books of 2017, and it is a New York Times and a USA Today bestseller. From our mailbag, uh, Joey Thurmond, one of our editors and often contributors at lovelander.com, says, uh, this is a dry yet refreshingly sincere narration um, that turns the seemingly standard sci-fi book into a unique study into the classic theme of morality and humanity regarding robots through the perspective of one. It's hard to get a good grasp on what half the cast half of the cast is like due to the book's length, but the author does a great job of establishing a feel and a foundation for her universe with relevant and sometimes downright hilarious exposition. My question is this: what line or moment from the book made you laugh the most? We will come back to your question, Joey, after the spoiler zone, I promise. Uh, Scooter McBeard says, this is such a good series. Aaron Anderson says, I read it. I felt like it was a good start to a story, but it ended differently than I was expecting. Is that too much of a spoiler? I don't think so, Aaron. It also surprised me the first time that I read it. Uh, Kaylee Gibbons, uh, who uh, is one of my friends from way back uh, when I was a resident advisor. Hi, Kaylee, says uh, the narration was really enjoyable. I thought the author struck a great balance between robotic detachment and human curiosity slash motion. So why should you read this book or who would like this book? I mean, yeah, it's it's a book about a robot android. So if you like sci fi corporate dominated space future you're gonna like it um sarcastic narrator yeah for sure uh the voice um in this basically like the 
the personality that comes through in the narration is one of my favorite uh, narrators ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the narration really is so is so good to me. Like it's Murderbot to me is like one of the perfect placeholder characters um, that you can really kind of just like envision you know, yourself from that point of view. Uh, but that part is really really cool mixed in with all the excellent um not high key but low key sci-fi that's within the book mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely not you're not reading like the expanse right or like mm-hmm. or an orson scott card book um you're reading something where the sci-fi is in the background but still really good and then if you or anyone you know or love um deals with <laughs> anxiety social anxiety um or other similar mental health issues uh this is definitely a book worth reading um and we'll talk probably talk more about that during the spoiler zone i don't want to get into too much and with that we will uh Trapes onward into the spoiler zone. Thanks for listening. If you're leaving us here, if not, uh, we're glad to have you coming along with us on this journey. Uh, so before we go much further, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Murderbot and kind of what makes it so different. Uh, just a note about pronouns. Uh, Murderbot doesn't have um, gendered or sexual biological parts. Um to my mind, that would make it a them, but mm-hmm. uh, Murderbot is often referred to um, by the people that care for it as it. Um, so I will be using it pronouns, but I'm not meaning to deny Murderbot its personhood <laughs> for sure, because Murderbot is such such a strong person, has a strong person presence. Personality. For many robots, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Really, one of the big questions that you get, kind of reading through this book, and uh, Madeline mentioned to us beforehand that uh, you you get a lot more of it as the series goes on. But mm-hmm. one of the big questions is like, well, at what point does something become a person? Like it. It is one of those weird questions where this particular sec unit has free will because it hacked its governor model, but uh, all the other ones don't. And so you get this kind of like tension between why is this one kind of sentient and self-aware and, you know, has free will and doesn't have to do what the governor module says but the other ones have not managed to do the same thing like that that's definitely one of those um things you wrestle with with the book and it also calls into question like the ethics of well now that it has personhood how ethical is it to keep it as a piece of equipment rather than a part of the expedition which i mean in the book they transition murderbot into being more part of the team but if it had been a different team it probably would have just flown other under the radar and 
the free will wouldn't have been discovered. And therefore, like, you kind of get that, like, well, then it would have just been treated like a piece of equipment and Mm -hmm. probably not treated very well. Also, you know, had its memory wiped and rewritten. uh, Exactly. To kill the other people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, which is how there's a there are other sec units in this um, security units sec units that are in the novel where they are um, they are rewritten or reprogrammed to be like combat droid combat droids or combat bots rather than just security yes. units um, and so they go around killing everyone um, well which- and and how are uh, the murder bot our uh, main character avoids that is by killing itself, it 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 shuts itself down, knowing that it, there's a possibility for it to be revived, so that the bad programming doesn't actually take over. But it yeah. could only do that because it had hacked its governor module and had control of itself. Mm-hmm. Well, initially, um, it got like an update. It says, "Would you like?" And- this is pre-story. Like this is no, this is well, the, no. This in- is during the story. Right, because the oh the update, yeah, yeah, you're right. Outfall yeah. has um, hijacked the hub system, and so you're the right. hub system's pushing the update. Mm-hmm. Second, the second murder bot decides not to update itself. You know, if for some reason you're still listening and you haven't read the book, the team has a hub system, which is basically like a central system that directs all of the life sustaining, you know, water, air, all that stuff, power. Um, data on for this scientific team that's on the planet and um, and it's system. a rental from the company yeah that also that sec that uh murder bot and other sec units comes from as well it seems like this company the company with capital c has uh-huh. a bit of a monopoly on on like being the outfitters for any kind of space journey or expedition yeah, yeah. And so hub system controls sex system, which a sec unit murder bot is a part of. And if murder bot hadn't have hacked its governor module, it would have had to auto apply that update. But because it was like, I don't feel like doing this. I'll do it later. Uh, then <laughs> they had to basically, so they go out on a, on a mission to try and figure out why they can't hear from um, Deltfall, uh, the other scientific team they know is out on the planet uh and then the murder bots not the murder bots the sec units that have been taken over by this update have to like put in a usb drive basically into murder bots neck and try and like manually install the combat bot overdrive and that's when what katie talked about is like nope we're not doing this yeah in process and all of this boils down to some stuff that happens before the book where Murderbot downloads an update and kind of glitches and kills everybody that it's supposed to be protecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because, I don't know, I haven't read the rest of the series, maybe because of similar things that are happening in the story happened previously. Um, but that that definitely ties into like what I want, like what I wrote down when we were talking about personal personhood in the sense that like Murderbot has a sense of emotion um, mm-hmm. a sense of empathy and compassion um, and guilt. I mean, the whole reason that they, or that it Call, um, calls like, themselves. Yeah. Murder bot. Yeah. Calls themselves murder bot has, has, has hijacked their governor module is doing all these things and become this person. 
um, is because it doesn't want to kill anyone again or like kill everyone again. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then it does like when, when it, when it goes into combat against the hijack sec units um, from Deltfall, it feels bad having to kill them. And then there's the scene where um, the, the third company that's on the planet, that's like a, Un, that's not supposed to be there that isn't a registered expedition to the planet great chris um, yes um is there and murderbot has to hit like has to hurt uh like fight against some of the other droids and it's hoping that it's not the deltfall ones because it feels bad because they're just doing stuff they have no this isn't what they signed up for even though they didn't really like they don't necessarily have free will but murderbot gives them personhood just because of their like because of its similarity with them it views itself as a person person. so it wants to it projects it onto the other sec units even though from our perspective we probably wouldn't see them that way because they're just robots they're Mm -hmm. 50 50 they're 50 50 computer biological material never Mm -hmm. been born made in the lab programmed to do what we tell them to do and yet um there's that empathy that and just this sense of responsibility that Murderbot has for people for not only for its humans, right? He calls them, it calls them my humans, the people that he's been, that it's been assigned to protect, but also the other sec units who can't make choices for themselves. So. It's also kind of funny because you like, you know, you, you uh, were saying he, so you, you kind of read it as a he voice. Yeah. Right. When you were reading, whereas I wrote, yeah. Yes. Yes. Whereas I re- read it as a she, which is what kind of what Matt alluded to when we were talking about why you should read this book is like the the narrator, the voice in the narration is so gender neutral and so just a uh, placeholder is what Matt said. So I ident- mm-hmm. identify it super well was with it super well. It's really easy to just sink yourself into, um, and so I identify oh, as he sure. him, and so I'm I find myself wanting to use he him pronouns even though those aren't the pronouns to use. So it's funny you say that because I personally um, saw Murderbot more as a she than a he. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 so it, mine it, was definitely a she. It, for me, I think it's yeah. just part of just, you know, the, the super nerd in me, but um, I kind of got this um, for all the Metroid fans listening, uh, Samus yeah, of Man. Like, um, you thinking, uh, yeah, and and also <laughs> kind of like, um, but also because of the emotion as well, yeah. um, the emotional change and growth that we see, um, I just kind of felt that that felt more along the path of uh, just just more female of a path. Um, I felt that the if it had been more genetically male that it may um, have rejected some of those, those feelings um, then, then embracing some of those. Uh, that's kind of the vibe I got as I was reading. Um, yeah. But it, it's, it's kind of, it's crazy because we all kind of um, put the face in our, on it. Yeah. 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 We, we all put, we all put a gender on it behind that open behind the opaque um, helmet. We're all kind of like, well, you know, what's the, What's that face look like? Um, and, and then also what part led me to attribute more female characteristics to it was 
um, the kind of disdain it had, I felt from the mention of the sex bots um, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, just like, you know, like I'm, I'm not you know, one of those lowly sex bots. Um, I kind of got a vibe there. It was like, you know, I could have been that, but I'm not, and, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm not one of those. So I, the way that I read that particular uh, line um, and again, I'm coming from it having read the whole series. So uh, Murderbot has a lot more interactions with sex bots later on. Um, and you can, if you continue to read, you'll see how that has colored its experience. Um, but uh, I read it more as Murderbot has watched a lot of TV, and usually on TV, sec units are either um, surprise, they're actually combat units and have massive rockets in their, you know, arm cannons or whatever. Or mm-hmm. number two, they're in love with their human owners and have sex parts, even though no actual sec units have sex parts. And so I read it more as like Murderbot was like, this is not, this is how life actually is. Not like it is in all the TV shows that I really love to watch. <laughs> So a huge part of Murderbot's um, personality is definitely uh, mental health issues, which is never the first thing I think of when I think of, like, this is a story about an android. Um, we're going to talk about the mental health of this android. Uh, but it, oh, it's so amazing. It absolutely works in this story. You see, as a Trekkie, I... I'm opposite of that. Like I'm often reading or watching things where androids or cyborgs have an existential mental health crisis. I mean, I saw it with Star Trek Next Generation with Data. Um, I was like, but not, I mean, on the flip side though, you have like C-3PO, right? (laughs) So like, who's just happy being their own program self. It it has a simulated personality. But I think... And, and I differentiate here mental health issues from existential crisis, even mm-hmm. though, yes, they, they all are go under the same umbrella. Um, I, I usually see existential crisis for androids as, am I a person or not? Mm-hmm. Murderbot knows it's a person, even though it hates when it's humans treat it like a person. It knows <laughs> it's a person. Um, and yeah. so it's mental health issues that Murderbot deals with is more like, I don't like to talk to other, I don't like to talk to humans mm-hmm. if I don't have to. <laughs> the social anxiety, um, which it, which is interesting because I think part of the reason why I related so much to Murderbot is because I've been diagnosed with social anxiety and all the things it does, I've, Obviously not done exactly, but done to a good extent. Like, um, you know, avoiding human contact and just kind of being like, you know, I just, I think I'd rather go read my book or watch TV or, you know, oh, this is the response. Let's let's give the answers that people are expecting so we can hurry up and get this conversation over with kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. Don't do anything unexpected because if you do something unexpected, then they'll want to explore that. And I just want to stop talking and leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. 
or or I can't I can't handle how I can't handle direct eye contact right now, so I'm just gonna turn and look away into the corner. Yes, I I have that problem. I am the center of attention right now and I don't like it, so I'm just seeing I'm gonna act like you're not here. Yep. Mm -hmm. It it was just so relatable. I'm like, yes, this part like Martha Wells, as she was writing Murderbot, she knows what it's like to have social anxiety, like or like or at least learned enough about it to where she could write it well because it was written like it's an accurate portrayal of the social anxiety for sure for sure and like i when murderbot is like nope this human came over and asked me if i was okay and put its hand on my on my shoulder like it cared about me and i just need to turn around and look in the corner Yep. Uh, no big situation. <laughs> like, and then, but then it keeps it keeps watching the humans like through the through the camera feed, uh-huh. so it can see what they're doing, and it continues to talk to them like it's absolutely normal. It's just facing the corner, so <laughs> it's, it's not yep. eyeball seeing them do it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and then all the humans kind of like look at each other when Murderbot turns around, and then they're like, "All right, we're just going to continue this conversation, I guess." <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could do that murder bot. It would be so nice, right? Well, you, and honestly, a lot of people probably would like if if we if we could connect. Um, and honestly, even though it doesn't go into it, the um, the modified human grassing or grassing, mm-hmm. whatever his name is, um, you know, I'm pretty sure he was doing what uh, murder bot was doing at times, and you know, looking at um, you know his companions through the uh through the hub system camera feed rather than mm-hmm. looking at them directly um because i think it's kind of poignant that murderbot never stopped looking at them just um didn't look at them want to look at them directly you know with its eyes but rather through the through the lens of um another machine trying to keep that uh, more machine than than human difference between itself and and its humans well, like, so, yeah, exactly. But, like, and we can't really do that as humans. But, like, I, one of the techniques that I tend, like, I find myself doing is kind of looking at someone, like, their forehead or um, just off to the side. So I'm not making eye contact because that's what, like, unnerves me. But, uh, like, kind of making it seem like I'm still paying attention while... Because I am still paying attention, but I don't want the the eye contact just throws me off. Right. So I'll I'll find a spot that's not quite eye contact while still looking at them. So that's, mm-hmm. I guess, the human equivalent of what Murderbot mm-hmm. does. As, as close Her, as you can get, ways, human equivalent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And at the at the end of the book. Um, the the uh, preservation team says, "Hey, uh, Doctor Mensa, about your contract. You're going to come back to our planet with us. You don't have to work for the company anymore." And so they walk, they leave, um, and go to some offices that they've rented. And when they leave the company's building, and they're out, kind of on the just on the I don't know on the gangway on the planet. Um, Murderbot's like, "I can feel the feed, and I really just want to like." stream like i just want to i can't handle this situation right now so i want to escape i just want Mm -hmm. to 
get into a different place. And that's like, I feel that way. Like every time I notice myself nervously picking up my phone to check, even though Mm -hmm. it hasn't rang or done anything like, or um, I'm mildly bored. So I'm going to turn on the TV rather than engaging. Um, I absolutely feel that. But it's, it's interesting though, because for Murderbot, even though it's like, doesn't like direct contact with people, and doesn't it has definite avoidance behavior. Um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't care about the people mm-hmm. that it's it's supposed to be taking care of. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, it doesn't it knows way too much about these people because it is constantly surveilling them, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just creeping on Into them. The <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, um, but only only for good. Is, you know, right. sure they're okay. Uh, there was some. There was definitely some entertainment purposes, especially when we mentioned the one couple. <laughs> there was some entertainment there. I mean, I think part of it too is like Murderbot just wants to know what these people are like. He's he. They're they're a different crew than he's ever worked with before, or it's ever worked with before. Um, and so it, yeah, they say as much as far as like there's not as much drama as as there normally is yeah. with their crews. And uh, it's, or even the distinctions of the leader that Don Tremensa had over everyone else. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, given given the ideology for of preservation versus the general corporations, right? Like, mm-hmm. it makes sense. But Murderbot doesn't know that going into this whole thing, and so it's right. trying to puzzle out who these people are and why they're treating it that way. Um, so it definitely is like intrigued i guess and surveilling them that way also you know it has to watch out for their security and make sure they're okay mm-hmm. which then, is kind of funny because like if it was a normal uh sec unit it would have read the file but it didn't bother and so it had no idea who they were <laughs> yeah that's also fair it's also fair uh this is important information i should read it at some point it's not a big deal. right <laughs> meh meh no. And only but, but kind of reads Sanctuary it when, Moon just got really good, so I'll do that later. Right. About well, it. It, and it only really yeah. does it when after they're like they give it that weird look of you don't know who this is yeah. for the for the leader. No. <laughs> and then it does a quick a big scan. person here. You don't know who it is. What? Yeah, and then it does that quick no. scan through, and they're like, oh. Well, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I should probably know who this person is. I can't imagine the human's thought process there, though. Like, it's imagine, like, you paid all this money to have this, you know, super powerful robot protect you. And part of his job is to, is to know your level of importance. And it doesn't know. <laughs> and it seemed to have cared beforehand. Like, that's got to mm-hmm. be a bit unnerving. On top of being a planet that has monsters coming out the ground to eat you. And I think that's part of why Garothan was like, the company is trying to kill us. They've Mm -hmm. given us a, Garothan feels like, you know, they've given us a faulty hub system. There are blank places on the map with, you know, giant sand pits and monsters and, uh, and our sec unit doesn't know, doesn't know. The, the the threat level it should assess just by the the importantness of the person we have here. Um, so, yeah, the company is trying to kill us. Uh, and then Murderbot's like, actually, if the company wanted to kill you, it would just turn off the air recycler. So, <laughs> which is and correct. Way cheaper. <laughs> What's going on? 
It's hilarious. Because Murderbot's just matter of fact about it too. It's like, trust me, if the company wanted to kill you, you'd be dead. You would be you'd dead. Be dead. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, just that unnerving realization for them too. Just like how, well, and that that's in. Well, we'll probably talk about this more when we talk about the corporations, but just how dependent they are on the corporation. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, part of why it's so endearing that uh, Murderbot says, I'm I'm here for a task. I don't have to be doing it because I'm not under control of my uh, governor mm-hmm. module anymore but this is my job and these are my humans mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it way better than the company could have ever provided for me to do it because I care about these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably the part that uh, makes Murderbot for me that the protagonist I most strongly identify with is because uh, as a nurse, particularly when I was doing um, floor nursing, you're trying desperately to, protect people's lives and oftentimes protect them from the decisions that they have made Mm -hmm. Um, and, and say like, I am trying to fix this problem you have gotten yourself into. Can you stop making it worse for five minutes (laughs) so so we can make progress and, and move forward and get you to a, to a functional state of existence. Um, and how Murderbot often felt like everything was on fire and I have about <laughs> 80 different things I need to be thinking about. Like mm-hmm. if, if you have ever been a floor nurse listener, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause that's, <laughs> that's how it is. You're playing the world's worst farming sim and you have to pay attention to all of the timers at once. That's a really good <laughs> analogy. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Um, I feel that's that why I don't play farming sims. <laughs> also it's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Probably um, why I don't play them anymore either because it feels like that's what my classroom is right now. We're not going to feels like there. work. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's why I fell in love with, with Murderbot in the first place because even though, like, the people you are trying to help are often actively making the situation worse, it's your job to be there and you're doing it because you do care about them. Like, you right. do down, like, you're an, you're another person. I want to protect you. I want to help you. How scary is this? Uh, the company, Katie. About a ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's ridiculous. You just you kind of have that creepy. Eh, I don't like this, and how like like it's it's one of those feelings of. This is not quite reality, but it wouldn't take it long to get there kind right. of feeling. If, and if it Amazon... just gives you that kind of uh, yeah feeling like yeah, slimy yeah. kind of, oh, so completely dependent on the whims of the company in a way like like Murderbot said, you know, if the company wanted you dead, they just turn off your air supply. And there's nothing they could could do about that. And it right. it that helplessness and that dependence, it's just it's a little unnerving if mm-hmm. you think about it. I mean just a- how Apple much. and Disney, and I love them both, but they're pretty much almost there. Or Amazon. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. Like if Amazon were or in Amazon. charge of space travel, right? Mm-hmm. Well or even I, like just if our ha- well Walmart. 
the the <laughs> thing is the difference is we're still in a place where you know they can't control our air supply at right. least i mean they can control a lot of other stuff but there's still a few things that we're not quite to where they were as far as dependence but you know a few more acquisitions a few more innovations and we could be kind of feeling a few more citizens united uh, rulings <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, um, I think it's. Yeah, I had something and then it went immediately away. Keep talking. You're doing so good. Oh, I just, um, <laughs> this is something. So this is something that I actually really like about mo- um, some of the more recent sci-fi. Um, is the view of corporations as government entities, um, because it is it is getting to that point. It's such a great societal critique. Um, mm-hmm. on how it, how our, like we can, I mean, we have the, we have governments, right? Nations that are key political powers. And then we have corporations that we also kind of hold on the same level of importance in our world. Right. I mean, we just, yeah. we could all just start listing a bunch off of, we were doing it earlier. There's like the big three, mm-hmm. big four that we think of when we think of certain things and they have as much power internationally um, because of how they promote economies and all this stuff. And so it's just, it's not like Katie was saying, it's not too much of a stretch to think of, you know, if Jeff Bezos wanted to take over the world, he probably yeah. could. Mm-hmm. So. And well, I mean, they already kind of shape the political landscape through oh, lobbying. Sure. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, if they just kind of pulled a few more levers, it, it, it's just a worrisome picture as far as like, if there's no checks on it and mm-hmm. kind of, and, and I think that's one of the great things about science fiction and fantasy just in general is that ability to critique the society, to critique society and where it's going and kind of give people a taste of, Oh, if we keep behaving like this, if we keep, um, doing things like this, this is a possibility of how the world might work. Mm-hmm. And, and then, can, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, I was just going to tack on to that. Like that's people say, Oh, dystopia, you know, George Orwell wrote 1984. How did he know it would be like this? Well, he did whenever somebody, <laughs> exactly. Whenever somebody writes dystopian fiction or science fiction, usually they're writing about the way their world actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe taken too hyperbole, but yes, it's a a critique on reality, not on a possible future. Right. Uh, And that's, well, it it is a possible future in that, like it, there's already elements being shown, but it's not quite to that level. Mm -hmm. And the thing is with like Orwell, he, he took a few elements of what he saw in society and blew them to extremes. Well, the problem is, society didn't pay attention and kept going down that path and therefore that's where we are now like and the same thing like that's with any science fiction um kind of dystopian vision is that because it's taking trends and elements of society as it is today and blowing them up it's not just it's not just taking things out of the air it's following things through their natural course if like if these particular attitudes continue. So it's mm-hmm. like the murder bot 
scenario could very well happen if we continue on the path that we're currently going. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a part of the All Systems Red Book that is uh, what I think is the most optimistic part of uh, Martha Wells' prediction. Um, We don't get a lot of details, but we do know that uh, the preservation group is -hmm. much different than the other um, entities that Murderbot has interacted with. So what makes them special? Democracy. <laughs> I'm <Is> that terrified. <laughs> <laughs> it was like they, everyone has a voice. They elect their leaders. Well, and it's a legitimate everybody has a voice, not yeah. like. Well, they, they recognize each other's personhood. And exactly. they recognize personhood in other people. Like mm-hmm. regardless of even if they are 50% biomaterial, 50% robotic material. And viewed as property by uh, by the companies. Um, the minute and that I- Murderbot shows any inclination towards emotion and free will, preservation the preservation group treats it like a person. And and that's the key difference. Um, is like what you said is they view people as people and uh, like as actual persons, and all the company including including murderbot like anything that has a personhood they they view it and value that personhood for what it is not what it can bring them whereas the company is only looking at what can this thing be exactly like how can we get the most profit out of this no matter if it's a person or not Mm. yeah yes Capitalism and, versus, and cheaply. Yeah. Like, they, they are definitely <laughs> feels a lot like are. some corporations. <laughs> yep. Capitalism yep. versus democracy. Yep. Yep. Which, and, you know, whole other conversation. Yes. Yeah. And even um, at the end, uh, Murderbot says, I didn't really, like, it knew a little bit about Dr. Mensa. Mm-hmm. Um, after a quick Google on the planet. But then it uh, it didn't really know anything about preservation it's like well what am i going to do on preservation do you need a security bot Mm -hmm. uh and it's like no and i probably won't need my armor either because nobody shoots each other Mm -hmm. on preservation like their world is so radically different from there's no scarcity like that's Mm. honestly what what comes down to is that they don't they're not competing for resources. So everybody is able to, well, because they value everybody as a person, it would be that they share resources to the point where nobody has to fight. Nobody has to steal. Nobody has to struggle to live. Yeah. To provide. Yeah. They're not pitted against each other for survival. Exactly. Mm. Which is wild. It's, like, a nice, it, it's a nice back. it's a nice little it's a nice little like oh that would be such a nice place to live <laughs> well, like, okay so take it back to like a a christian perspective like the, the things that like i'm hearing i mean hello my name is john Verde. i do have a master's of theology so i hear you start talking about <laughs> communalism and i start thinking about well the church right that's what the church is supposed to be um and so and then supposed i have thoughts uh, yes uh, supposed to be um i have thoughts about our current scenario in the world that which we or in the condition in which we all live right now but mm-hmm. that's besides the point um but i do think that that's one of the things i love about love thy nerd is that they do see the personhood 
mm-hmm. in every single person with whom we contact and work with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even if it's someone wanting to play pickup sticks, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it might not, be, you know, just be, it's cause it's, some, it's their jam and like people have their jams and we can celebrate each other's jam and mm-hmm. give of our time um, in order to love them well. And I think preservation, um, not only, I mean, hello, the name itself of the group, like, you know, you got great Chris dealt fall, which are sound super generic and corporate and yep. then preservation. Like, you know, it has me, it's got a name. It's got meaning. I could go to a church named preservation. Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so true. there's this definite sense of like, it's elevation. Um, church ethics and morality. Church, don't worry. Yeah. It's elevation <laughs> sister church in 2027 or whatever. Um, uh, or however into the future this is. Um, but yeah, like it, it definitely gives me that, that, so it's, it gives me morality ethics feel, which Mm -hmm. in my world translates to religion. Um, Mm -hmm. but in the sci-fi world doesn't always translate to religion. Um, different ideologies and depending on humanism and where you stand on all of that. Um, worldview for sure yeah for sure super philosophical whole long conversation about it but i think we can still come to the same point of loving each other well um regardless of whether or not we look like we think other people should look or like act that way you know Mm -hmm. um because hello murderbot is part robot robot like we would, and can regenerate itself, like because right. that's not creepy. So, right, like, can, 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 and the like, captain actually sees it, like regenerate, like where or can expand its mind into the computer and and, mm-hmm. ex- and use the hub system as an extension of its own self. Like it doesn't like when we we're talking about it using the cameras to like watch other people. Like mm-hmm. I don't think Murderbot sees that as like use not intrusive. Using, yeah, or like or just as different from or distinct from using its bio eyes right Mm -hmm. because it's just part of itself is Mm -hmm. that integration of the of the biological and the mechanical um and the computer and technological and so like i don't know it's just like if like on the one hand wells does such a great job of writing uh murderbot's voice to feel so like like just identifiable on the other hand the way that you when you start thinking about who murderbot is in terms of like how how it was made and what it actually is it feels so alien Mm -hmm. but it's not and that's the beauty of this book because you're like oh that feels like oh gosh i could never imagine what that would look like or or what i would ever how i would ever see that but at the same time like I can totally identify with the fact that I'm currently in a Netflix binge and all (laughs) I want to do is sit and watch this TV show. And I, you know, it's not Sanctuary Moon, but it's, it's probably, it's, it's trashy television at its finest. And (laughs) I just want to sit and watch it all 10 seasons of it. Let's go. Like, I don't really want to do anything else right now because it's the end of the semester and I'm a teacher. Um, so So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Anything else before we wrap? Um, so I'm going to say that if anyone watched Battlestar Galactica, there's so many correlations here that I 
kind of felt like I was watching, like I was reading a prequel of the reimagined Battlestar Galactica just because we've got these human um, machine hybrids that are kind of, you know, um, you know, versioning on the classification part we talked about earlier. And when I, you know, I, when I think about it and I look at the similarities as far as how just how people are are treated nowadays like these people that we know are fully human yet just we don't treat them as fully human um mm -hmm. so as we re we read a book and we're like yeah i can totally get why the people from preservation are treating murderbot uh as a person because hey that's you know that's their ideology that's what's important to them yet on the flip side in in our reality Fortunately, that's not even the case, and we don't have to worry about that distinction. And the that that battle, that internal battle between human and Cylon in Battlestar Galactica, was very similar to, to this. Where I, you know, it, it probably you know, well should just make it the prequel because uh, it's virtually the same thing. <laughs> and there's just there's so many similarities there, and the the, the moral and ethical. This of you know the the fact that um, earlier you mentioned like how you know how many others and what's different about Murderbot to the other sec units and such. Honestly, I don't think there's a huge distinction, um, and partially because they you know Murderbot mentions um, the uh, the uh, rogues and you know that the ones that Murderbot fought weren't rogues but they just had that uh, combat override put into them and that's why they you know killed the other humans from um from Delphal but mm -hmm. but that they weren't rogues so you know rogue sec units is not an uncommon thing um why they went rogue whether they hacked their own governor modules or whatever you know is unknown at this point in this book but rogue sec units, you know, operating on their own, making their own decisions uh, is, is not a, a faulty thing. And it seems like, and I'm sorry, faulty thing, but it's not a um, an uncommon thing. And I think partially because people from preservation looked at it as a human, but most people hiring um, the sec units look at them just as, as equipment. So these and this company and the company is notoriously known for shortcuts, um, not properly maintaining things. So they look at it as more of a fault in the programming, um, lack of proper maintenance or et cetera for rogues than actual sent, you know, actually being a sentient being, having its own, you know, motivations and thoughts and, you know, yep. or soul. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think it's just more of a, a realization that is born out of sec units, I'm sorry, Murderbot's um, own self, and then the, the acceptance that it needed to make that full leap into, yes, I'm a person because other people other than me view me as a person, and that's important. Yeah, everything you said. I mean, a lot of people, they, you know, just end now. I know, you know, I know as, as, as someone who's, you know, had a time in life where not being not treated as a person, you can be, you can tell yourself you're a person all you want and know it and feel it, 
But when no one around you treats you that way or acknowledges you as a person, um, you, you, a lot of you doesn't feel like you don't feel it. You, you kind of, you feel like you're self deluding because everything else is saying the contrary to, to what you're saying. So mm. once yeah. murder by got that acceptance, it became more of a reality than, than a mental construct. Yep. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I will say that rogue sec units aren't maybe a common thing in the world, but they're definitely a known, a known factor. Yeah. And that's part of why, um, the company makes them pay so much money is theoretically they've guaranteed that that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> that <the security laughs> theoretically. Bot, uh, isn't going to get a bad patch and kill them all. Right. <laughs> kill the humans, not a Yet hard they're still order. licensing expeditions <laughs> and like in the dark and creating artificial comp like, and creating competition while people don't realize that there's competition. Hmm. Hmm. Shady. Shady. Darn that Bill Gates Jr. 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 This is just thinking Elon, but yeah. Yeah, I would say <laughs> Elon fair. more. <laughs> Bezos. Yeah, yeah. No, no one this no one likes Bezos. That's why Bezos gets mentioned. No one is <laughs> true. true. Although I did see All that. Right. Sorry. Anyway, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Everything book related. Don't believe that everything is related to the book. (laughs) No, it really doesn't. So we can move on. I'll bring it up after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The views of the podcasters does not necessarily reflect the views of Love Thunder. Thank you so much, Amazon, for our Amazon smile money. Yes, yes, (laughs) Um, 100%. I I say that, but I I use Amazon regularly. So, you you know. We love you, Jeff. Don't don't listen to what I said. We love you, Jeff. (laughs) Your your ex-wife loves you, too. Keep making that money. Uh, (laughs) All right. She donates to love love her, too. Back to Joey's question. Uh, what line or moment from the book made you laugh the most? And there's a ton of humor in this book. So I hope if you've gotten nothing else from that, that this is not a uh, a brain heavy read. It may be emotion heavy, but there's a lot of lightheartedness in here as well. So my favorite part is at the very beginning. It's just so relatable because uh, Murderbot is essentially like watching shows but then realizes they have to go out on a mission and then they're kind of trying to figure out and they're pondering the question of will it work for me to stream the shows while I'm on the mission so that I can like keep the entertainment coming and just the feels just that like especially since some like working in an office job you just kind of have those moments of, I really don't have anything to do. Can I get away with watching some, some YouTube right now kind mm-hmm. of thought. And then also the, the Murderbot's feeling of, can we just get this mission over with? So I can go back to my room and watch my shows, like keep going. It's just so relatable. And I, it was one of those moments of like, yes, you get me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So that was one of my favorite parts. Uh, I really liked when Murderbot is, so the the preservation group has to leave their 
their hub because Grey Chris is going to come and and get them. And Murderbot has to dump a bunch of its media um, that it was keeping on the hub system that it's not going to have access to hub system anymore because hub system has been hacked by Grey Chris. So uh, Murderbot's like, well, uh, this is a bad situation and I could technically just abandon the humans because I don't have a governor module that would make me stay with them. Um, but I would run out of media to watch before my batteries ran out. So probably not. The thing is, it's better than that because it, it says, like, I, I, there's not a way I could store enough media. Like, it was like, I should have been better prepared. You know, like, like, if I was better prepared, I could have all the shows in the world I want to watch, just leave these people to die, sit around for a couple hundred years and watch TV until I get, you know, I, I get discovered by the company. Like, yeah, but, but I just, I didn't prepare properly. Mm-hmm. But, it, and it's not like that it was ever seriously considerate. Like, it, it immediately says afterwards, like, I actually do kind of like these humans. Mm-hmm. I am going to try and protect them. It right. still but, has that, uh, but it's a thought in its head. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to say. It's so good. John, Matt? Mm. Uh, just the, um, the... Okay, go ahead, John. Well, you said you were going to go last. Go well, I'll go, because you said you were going to go yeah, last. I want to respect last. your wish. So mine was just a general snarkiness on uh, the tone, um, particularly just the one line where um, I, when... Reference, referencing to itself the um, the override commands that the other sec units had, and it was like, well, you know, kill kill the humans isn't a complex order, and I just I got a chuckle out of that. Yep. <laughs> and for me, like, I think the ending was probably the best. I don't know, the book ends right, and um, Murderbot has been set free. I mean, and is going to go to preservation. With the, with the team, and so it doesn't. It decides to, to <laughs> run away. That's why, uh, that's why uh, that hints the comment of, I didn't see that coming. I yes. And I, yeah. I, I didn't see that coming either. Really? But it was I so, saw I was that just, I, that's, I was like, I, yeah, I didn't, this, makes, this makes sense. I mean, <laughs> it made sense once, like, I, once I read it, but I did not, like, that was not the ending I thought. But anyway, sorry. Dead. No, yeah. Um, I just I chuckled. I was like, okay, of course, of course, it's gonna run away. Like, yeah, I would probably <laughs> run away too. Preservation sounds boring when all you've done is when you're a security unit, you know, like, and also the scene where he's getting on the transport and he talks to the, to the <laughs> transport robot who's like, turns out transport units like to watch entertainment too so they swap media in order for him to get a free or for it to get a free ride on the transport yeah. um, i was like oh, i love it uh, that is so like yo transport so bot. you got you got the new episodes of sanctuary sanctuary moon you don't yeah, I, I, I got you a hookup yeah. yeah let me on yeah. and, I'll, and i'll share my media with you during the trip you know just give me a free ride and we'll yeah. be good yeah so fun it's nice to know bootlegging still exists and you know, whatever you're (laughs) (laughs) only if you're an Android. Yes. Yep. I did it again. You guys, I forgot to have you all introduce yourselves. Please introduce yourselves. (laughs) Whoops. And say where people can get a hold of you on the internet. 
<laughs> I don't know who we are. Uh, my name is Katie Tejador, and you can find me on Twitter at K-R-R Tejador, which is spelled T-E-J-E-D-O-R. That's it. Uh, I'm John Campo Verde. Um, you can find me on Twitter at jcamp, C-A-M-P underscore over O-V-E-R underscore day, D-A-Y. And I am Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at underscore rocking Mr. Magic. That's the word rocking minus the G, MR for Mr. And Magic at the end, underscore rocking Mr. Magic. And I'm Madeline Turnipseed. I'm on Twitter as mad underscore seed. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you have thoughts on the book we're discussing that we might read on air or books that you'd like to suggest for, re- for us to read, uh, you can drop any one of us a line on Twitter or uh, myself, Madeline, at lovethiner.com. M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E at lovethiner.com. Be sure to check out all the podcasts in the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and also on the LTN radio. Uh, the Pull List is a bi-weekly show about how comics, pop culture, and faith affect culture at large, hosted by Chris Poirier and Hector Murray. Humans of Gaming is a weekly show about video and board games that features open and honest conversations about games, life, and belief, hosted by Drew Dixon and Chris Gwaltney. Free Play is a weekly show about any and all things nerd, where you feel more like a participant and less like a rando on a message board, hosted by Kate Katawaki, Bubba Stalkup, and Matt Wormbier. Wormbier. Sorry, Matt. Giving you a French pronunciation. (laughs) Church Nerds is hosted by Anna and Baba Stalkup. This is a special morning show each Friday that combines uh, these people's church cred and their nerd cred to show you just how well these two ways of life come together. Two Words is a wrestling podcast for fans by fans and is the newest addition to the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. It's hosted by John Berkeley and Matt Corker. Coker. I'm messing up everybody's last names tonight apologies so be sure and connect with us on all your social media platforms just search love thy nerd or find links on our website at lovethynerd.com this has been the ltn book club our show is hosted by madeline turnipseed and is a proud member of the ltn podcast network for more information on the show the hosts, the books they're reading, and to subscribe, please visit lovethynerd.com slash book club.